give the Lord a hand, shall we? He's a great God. A great God. If you have your Bibles, you might like to turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians. That's the book we come to. We've been preaching through the Bible this year. One book each Sunday and Wednesday. And uh, this week is 2 Corinthians. And uh, it will be about uh, two weeks, generally speaking, two weeks. And you know what? You will have completed your Bible reading for the year. All the way through the book of the books of the Bible, read the Bible through in a year. And many of you are doing that. We want to thank you for it. Our children are being dismissed at this time and headed to their uh, room over here all together today. And I do have uh, a couple of announcements I need to make. I think you can read the bulletin, so I'm not going to take the time to rehearse everything there. But I would like to mention that there is a special invitation in there for the wedding for Sherry and Elvis. So if you would um, take note of that, they asked me if we could put that in there. They're in Canada this weekend visiting Sherry's parents and her father, as you know, is... Um, not well at all, and they were just hoping and praying that, and we prayed, didn't we, that they could get there in time to to visit with him, and they have done that, and he's doing a little better, so we're thankful for that. But um, Sherry and, and uh, Elvis would like for you to sign the sheet that's on the bulletin board out front, and what they're going to be doing is having the wedding here on the Saturday. The date is listed there. And um, we're just going to have, we're going to do this kind of like a homecoming and and bring a dish and he's going to provide the, the pig, I think it is, on the, on the grill outside and we bring things, you know, just a dish and put it all together and just have a big celebration after the wedding and reception. So if you would sign up on the bulletin board, if you can make that and um, um, I'm sure they would appreciate it. That's what they've asked me to share with you. Second Corinthians is a wonderful book, and there are many directions that we could go this morning, but uh, very early in the week, maybe last Sunday, I, in fact, I began thinking about this, and the Lord just laid a particular direction on my heart concerning comfort. We're going to read about comfort in Second Corinthians. How many can appreciate comfort? Comfort means a lot of different things to different people, doesn't it? To an infant, comfort might be a pacifier, right? To um, a little bit older baby, comfort might be a special blanket. Maybe after that, um, a teddy bear, The dictionary defines comforter as a warm quilt. Now, I I had to get used to that because when I think of the word comforter, I think of the Holy Spirit. Uh, But I'm I'm dealing a a little bit with with the mundane things of life, the the ordinary things here to try to establish this conversation that I want to have with you uh, about comfort today from the Word of God. So comfort being defined by the dictionary as a like a warm quilt. It's something that uh, makes you feel good. There's what some people call comfort food. If I were to ask you what's your comfort food, there's no telling what we would hear. Maybe it's chicken soup or mac and cheese or 
Uh, I'd probably have to add banana pudding in there somewhere, you know, right out of the oven when it's still warm. That, that's comforting to me now. Uh, such good stuff. Some people foolishly, however, find some level of comfort, they say, in a bottle of booze. Others in some kind of illegal substance. But those things really aren't comforting at all because they lead to a much greater degree of of uh, suffering and more pain. They're not comforting at all in the long run, are they? But there are troubles in life. There are troubles for all of us in life. None of us are immune to that. There's heartaches and valleys through which we must go simply because we're human. And there's things that we face, folks, that a bowl of chicken noodle soup won't fix. There's things that we have uh, confront us as we go through our lives that a boatload of banana pudding won't cure. Right? Some things are much more serious than that. In the world, Jesus said, in the world you will have trouble. Now Jesus said, it's not if you have trouble, but when you have trouble. There's no question, are you going to have trouble in life? Yes, you are. So the question I'd like to pose to you this morning is, when you have trouble and when you need comfort, where do you go? This is highly unusual for me to do this, but I'm going to sing part of my sermon today. Is that all right? Where do I go when there's no one else to turn to? Who do I talk to when no one wants to listen? Who do I lean on? When there's no foundation stable, I go to the rock I know that's able. I go to the rock. You know what? You can sing it along. I go to the rock of my salvation. I go to the stone that the builders rejected. I run to the mountain and the mountain stands by me. When the earth all around me is sinking sand, on Christ the solid rock I stand. When I need a shelter, when I need a friend, I go to the rock. Where do I hide? When the storms of life pass over, who do I turn to? When winds of sorrow threaten, is there a refuge? In the time of tribulation, when my soul needs consolation, I go to the rock. I go to the rock of my salvation. I go to the stone that the builders rejected. I run to the mountain and the mountain stands by me. When earth all around me is sinking sand, on Christ the solid rock I stand. When I need a shelter, when I need a friend, 
I go to the rock. Amen. Now let's look at our text for today. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Well, before we do that, let's define the word comfort. Let's pretend we're in the third grade and the teacher says, writes the word comfort on the board. And she gives us this hint that the word comfort is a compound word. So we know it's made of two words. And when we separate the word comfort into two words, it's the word come and the word fort. Now let's talk about the word fort first. A fort is a place that you would seek refuge in. It's a very safe place, am I right? That's what they're noted for. It may be constructed out of stone. It may be impenetrable. It may be a place when once you're inside, nothing can harm you. But that's what we think of as a fort. It's a safe place. And though we, and then we put come in front of that, come fort. Or maybe we should say come, that assurance that accompanies being in a fort. Come to my life. Help me feel safe. Help me feel um, like nothing can hurt me. Help me feel some relief from what I'm going through. Comfort. Come fort. We'll see images of that in the scripture over the next few moments. Let's read the text. Chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our tribulation, all of our trouble, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation, it's the same word as comfort in the original, so our comfort also abounds through Christ. Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort. I'm I'm inserting the original word there, consolation here, comfort. It is for your comfort and salvation, which is effective For enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast. Because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also you will partake of the consolation. Sounds like to me that comfort was weighing pretty heavy on the Apostle Paul's mind when he mentions it. Goodness, I didn't count the number of times there in those few verses. But over and over and over and over, he talks about comfort. I don't have to tell you comfort's important. You know that. If you don't have comfort, if you're troubled, if you're hurting, if you're going through a trial, if if your life is in an upheaval, so to speak, it's not a very pleasant thing to go through. And so all of us naturally seek for comfort. Amen. We reach for the, the chicken soup or the banana pudding or the mac and cheese or a warm, comfortable blanket. We try to get as comfortable as we can. Of course, the level of comfort today that we're concerned with is much greater than any of these menial things that I've just mentioned. But I'd like to take us through First or Second Corinthians in a couple of different, actually several different places, and and talk about what our responsibility is and what the Lord wants to do for us and why He wants to do it for us. Would that be okay? We get hints of that in this passage because the Bible talks about, in a nutshell, 
the Lord comforts us so we can comfort others. You know, if our lives are in a mess, if I'm a basket case, how can I comfort somebody else, right? So the Lord wants to comfort us in our troubles because he loves us, but then he wants us to be able to share that comfort with other people who might be in a mess themselves. We can, you can share comfort. You know that. All of us know that. You can share comfort. You can encourage others and come alongside of others and help others when they're going through a difficult trial or a difficult time in their lives. The comfort that only God can give. Now, let's go over to verse 20 in the same chapter. This is a, a powerful verse that I've appreciated for a long time, which says, All the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Now, you may think, well, that's disconnected from what we just talked about. No, not really at all. How many of you know God makes promises? And so the Bible says that the promises that God has made in Christ, they are yes. I'm, I'm trying to break this down where we can relate to it today. God has made promises. Christ comes along and says yes to those promises. That is to say that the Father and the Son are on the same page. Amen? There is unity between them. God has made certain promises. Christ comes along as His Son and says yes to those promises. And then it is our responsibility as children of God to say amen. What's amen mean? So be it. In other words, we're agreeing with the Father and the Son, and we're saying yes to that. We're saying amen to that. I believe that. So be it, Lord, in my life. Now, if you take that, that verse apart and dissect it, that's what it means. For the promises of God in Christ are yes, and in Him, we could say the amen is said by us, and we claim those promises for the glory of God. Chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Now, I want you to notice that there's a reason I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with these passages. Those of you who know me that know that. We're not chasing a rabbit here. We know exactly where we're going. The Bible says, through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place, for we are to God the fragrance of Christ. Now think about that. We're the fragrance of Christ. What on earth could that mean? There's something that's all the rage nowadays. The essential oils. Thank God for essential oils. That's the way some people feel, you know what? They think essential oils are everything. Essential oils can fix anything. As a matter of fact, I will tell you sometimes, I said to somebody this past week, we were having dinner in a home uh, of some of our members. And as we were talking about, somehow we got on essential oils. And, and I said, sometimes when I go to, to the bedroom at night to go to sleep, it smells like an apothecary shop in my bed, my bedroom. Because Joy has the diffuser, Right? She has the diffuser plugged in beside the bed and she's putting all these smells into the, into the air. What she's doing is diffusing the fragrance of those oils, which are supposed to have comforting or healing properties. Some of you shaking your head. You, you're believers. That's all right. 
and and they just talk like it works wonders, right? It's it's all the rage. I mean, especially I've noticed in the, in the younger people, they just got to have their essential oils. And I mean, if you're sick, you buy the right one and put it on you, and it'll fix it. For, you know, I, I'm sorry, count me as a skeptic, but that's that's kind of the way it works. But I thought it was interesting to go back and read this because the Bible says that through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. We are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved. There is a certain ability that we have as Christians when we do it right. Did you know you can be saved and not do it right? I remember there was an evangelist. Some of you will remember Henry Willis. My goodness, the last time he was here, he was in his 80s. A tremendous evangelist. And he talked about, he talked about Christians and their attitudes. And he's the kind of guy who's just bubbling all over all the time and laughing and having a good time and full of the victory, you know. And he said, some of you all are messing us up. Some of you all are giving us a bad name. You know, you need to smile. You need to, you know, and he just, that's the way he was talking. Well, that's what the scripture is saying here. That through us as Christians, we diffuse the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ. We're supposed to make a difference in other people's lives. Get it? They, they, well, I know you could take this in, in a different way, but they ought to be able to smell us coming. Because it is a sweet smelling savor. It's a fragrance. It's like a perfume. It's like the, it's like the healing, healing oils. We diffuse this fragrance of godliness and trust and comfort in our God. Amen. That's the way it's supposed to be for us. But listen, if we're so messed up in our attitudes and in our minds, we're going to diffuse something else and that won't be good. So I just thought we'd, we'd pull that out of there because it, it comes into something else we're going to talk about in a few moments. In chapter 3, verse 2, the Bible says, You are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, on the tablets of, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. That is to say that we... We're not books. I don't look at you and see a book. But according to the Bible, you are an epistle and people read your life everywhere you go. It's like the first imagery was of a fragrance. You have an impact on the lives of people around you. Amen. People read our lives. You don't have to tell them. Sometimes they can tell without you telling them anything. They can read your life because it is an epistle. We are living epistles of Christ. And so we continue our little um, treasure hunt here and we come down to chapter 5, beginning at verse 18. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. How many know what it means to, to understand that your checkbook is in a mess? I don't mean just empty. I mean... What the statement from the bank says and what you see in your checkbook don't add up at all. Anybody ever been there? You know what you need to do? 
You need to reconcile that checkbook. You need to make things match up and you need to make them work. Well, the Bible says our lives are a mess. All of us. The previous verse that I did not read, which is very uh, familiar to most of us. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that's what he's talking about, a changed life, a life that has been reconciled to God. Come into alignment with what this book says. Amen. All of us were messed up. Mm-hmm. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. We need to be reconciled to God. So by the blood of Christ we, and the grace of God and faith, we come to Christ and he reconciles us to himself. But then it doesn't stop there because then the Bible says he has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. So we don't take what Christ has done for us and hide it or sit on it. But we do like the fragrance that diffuses and we do like the epistle that is read. We are ambassadors for Christ. The next verse says, verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Does it sound like you people are watching us? Does it sound like we have a responsibility to other people? God doesn't save us to sit. He doesn't save us to hide. He saves us so we can diffuse His fragrance. The fragrance of Christ and the knowledge of Christ through the atmosphere where we are. Well, let's keep reading. These are good nuggets, aren't they? And we're going to tie them all together here in just a minute. In verse 6 of chapter 7. And we're returning to comfort here. Nevertheless, God, who comforts the downcast. Aren't you glad God comforts the downcast? Nevertheless, God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort or consolation with which he was comforted in you. When he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. In other words, Titus was in a fix, in a mess. He was comforted. He comforted Paul, and Paul comforts them. There's a whole lot of fragrance going around there. A whole lot of things are happening in that verse as people are being comforted from somebody else who was comforted, who are being comforted by somebody else who was comforted. I'll say again, if our lives are in a mess and we're in shambles, we can't comfort somebody else. You can't give somebody else what you don't have. So we need to to experience the reality of, of 2 Corinthians in this thing that we're talking about today. And that is the comfort of God. Come. Fort, the safe place, the place where you can relax, the, the, the place where you feel safe and secure. Come to my life. Comfort. That's what it means. And then we're able to share that with other people. Well, verse 13 says, after talking about Titus comforting them, verse 13 says, Therefore we have been comforted in your comfort, and we rejoiced exceeding more. For the joy of Titus, because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. Instead of a whole lot of shaking going on, there's a whole lot of comforting going on in these passages that I'm reading. Well, 
let's just pause there. I think we've gone far enough looking at these nuggets. Let's go back to chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Would you say those four words, God of all comfort? Listen, there is no comfort other than God. You can try a lot of different approaches, a lot of different methods, go in a lot of different places, but ultimately all comfort that's going to be lasting and life-changing, it comes from God. He's the God of all comfort. There is no comfort outside of Him that is genuine and real and lasting. God is the God of all comfort. That is, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. If we're going to talk about God the Father, we're going to understand that He is a comforter. Amen? I'm going to go back to Psalm 23. It's a passage most of you could quote. Just listen to it if you would. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I have need of nothing. I have great confidence in Him. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, lying down in green pastures might not be that comforting to you. But if you were a sheep, it'd be very comforting. Am I right? Lying down in green pastures. And then the Bible says, He leads me beside still waters. What could be more comforting to a sheep than green grass and still waters? In other words, he brings me, <laughs> I didn't think of this ahead of time, but he brings me to my happy place. Where could a sheep be any happier than with green grass and still waters? Knowing that every need has been provided, I shall not want. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they what? Comfort me. That's what we're looking at today. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. As a matter of fact, everything the shepherd is doing for the sheep there, we find it to be very comforting. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. We'll talk about that more later. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the Father. The Lord is my shepherd. Yahweh, Jehovah, is my shepherd. In Isaiah chapter 61, I've selected another passage that um, focuses our attention on what God is saying. Prophetically, Isaiah 61 verse 1, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Are you listening? To comfort all who mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Then, I want to tell you, not only is God the Father a comforter, but Jesus, the Son of God, 
is also a comforter. Did you know that? According to the Bible, it is. In Luke chapter 4, listen to this scripture. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Well, let me back up. Jesus goes into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And John 4 verse 17, excuse me, Luke. Luke 4 verse 17. He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. Jesus went to the synagogue. They handed him a copy of the scripture. He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Jesus searched this scripture out. He chose this scripture. He turned where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And most of you know what happened next. The Bible says that Jesus closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. Everybody stared at Jesus and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, and these are the words of Jesus, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What was he saying? I'm the one who fulfills the scripture. I'm the fulfillment of the one that's, that's anointed, who preached the gospel to the poor, who, who heals the brokenhearted, who proclaims liberty to the captives, who opens blinded eyes, who sets those who are bound, sets them free to proclaim the acceptable. I'm the one. This day is this scripture fulfilled in your hearing. Another way of saying that is I'm the comforter. I'm the comforter. I can do for you what you need. If you'll give me the chance. And the Bible says he left there and he began to perform miracles right and left everywhere he went as he began his ministry. Jesus is a comforter. Amen. Then the Bible tells us, as we turn to John chapter 14, Jesus is a comforter. But he was about to leave earth. Knew he was being crucified. So he's telling his disciples about that. In John chapter 13, in verse 33, Jesus says, Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You'll seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come. So now I say to you. Verse 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. I'm leaving you, Jesus said. Well, that troubled them. Because in chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter or helper. I will ask the Father, He will give you another helper. What do you mean another? Jesus is a comforter. You don't think people found it comforting when He opened their blinded eyes? When He healed their sicknesses? When He said, peace be still? You don't think Jesus was a comforter? He's saying right here He was a comforter. He said earlier, this is, this is, this scripture I've just read from Isaiah, this is about me. 
I'm the one who's going to comfort those who mourn. And he says, here, I'll pray the Father and he'll give you another comforter, another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Because Jesus is getting ready to leave. He says, it's the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you. He's talking about himself and will be in the future in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you, Jesus says. So Jesus is a comforter, but he knows he's leaving. So he promises another comforter. This comforter being the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Chapter 15, verse 26. But when the Comforter comes, when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from my Father. Uh, verse 5 in chapter 16. But now I go away to him who sent me. Verse 6. Because I have said these things, sorrow has filled your heart. It is to your advantage, verse 7 says, that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Comforter, the Helper, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And so what we've just learned from Scripture is that God the Father is a Comforter. And God the Son, Jesus Christ, is a Comforter. And the Holy Spirit of God is a Comforter. Isn't that a wonderful thing? But now... Having said that, I'd like to ask you, did you catch the thread that's woven into the scripture that's connected to the comfort that's associated with coming from God? Well, that's some kind of question, wasn't it? Psalm 23 said, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And then David said in Psalm 23, you anoint my head with oil. Kind of strange. Isaiah 61 says to comfort all who mourn, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. What's this association with oil and comfort? And then why does 2 Corinthians say that through us he diffuses the fragrance of this knowledge and we are to God the fragrance of Christ? Do you remember when this woman went where Jesus was and she broke the alabaster box and she poured it on his head and it ran all over and the fragrance of that filled the room? We've talked about this before, but but briefly let me share it with you again. That this anointing oil that was used in the Old, Old Testament was a very, very costly and a very fragrant substance. Now, I bought with me today, where did I put it? Oh, I hid it here amongst all the greenery. I about lost it. I bought a bottle of olive oil. I bought this for purposes of illustration. Because in the Psalms it says, Behold how good it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And it goes on to say, It is like the oil... That was poured on Aaron's head and it flowed down his head and his beard and onto his clothing. Do you know what that tells me? That we don't anoint today like they anointed then. Here's the way they anointed then. They, they took the flask or the bottle and they opened that up and boy, they just poured it. Dun, 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 dun. All over your head and it ran down the beard and the clothes. I mean, when you got anointed then, you knew you were anointed. 
you went away from church that day greasy. Oily. And diffusing the fragrance, it was unmistakable. Amen? That's the way they did it then. Now, just in case anybody's wondering, we don't do that now. Here's the bottle of olive oil like they might have used. Not not literally. This, this came from food line. They didn't have it back then. But they had a container of oil. And they'd pour it and anoint a king or prophet. And that's the way they did it. I mean, you got soaked. Now, the way we do it these days, generally, is to take a bottle of anointing oil. And we just put a little bit on our hands. and You generally put it on someone's forehead. And then we pray. The point is, it's not the amount of oil that is used. The association between comfort and oil, or comfort and the Holy Spirit and oil, is one that you can find throughout the Bible. And I've shared it with you today, even in 2 Corinthians, with this fragrance being diffused throughout the the building, wherever they may be joined. And with that in mind, I'm going to tell you that that this, Brother Ron Bomar, he's a, he's a friend of mine. I'm glad to say that, Brother Ron. He's a retired Baptist pastor who has come to new life and settled in, he and his wife, and plugged in here, and he's helped. But one thing I have appreciated about this man, other things too, but one thing I've appreciated, one of the first things he asked me when he was he and his wife, I think that's when we talked about it first over lunch, wasn't it? And this question came up, do you believe in anointing with oil? And I said, I sure do. Because the Bible says that. And so I'm going to ask you to turn with me in your Bibles to James chapter 5. And we're going to read a passage that talks about this. And then we're going to actually do that today. As a matter of fact, Brother Ron, I'd appreciate it if you'd be prepared to to anoint those who come and and we'll all pray together. The Bible says in James chapter 5, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses the one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. When we read something like this, it's it's reminiscent, is it not, of what Jesus did on many occasions. Jesus would... Jesus really, if you think about it, Jesus really did some kind of strange things. Like spitting in the dirt and mixing up a little clay and putting spittle and dirt in a man's eyes. That seems like the last thing you'd need to do to somebody who's having eye problems, doesn't it? But Jesus did it. And the man received his sight. Am I right? 
let's, let's not be so highly intelligent that we question the why. Let's just be obedient. Amen? Here's where the blessing is and being obedient to this scripture. It's, it's doing what the Word of God says do. It doesn't make sense to me, Pastor. It doesn't make sense to me either. But the Bible says this is what we should do. And you may say, well, you know, and, and I have been told this in years past by people. I've been told by people that miracles ceased with the days of the apostles. When all the apostles died, the miracles ceased. I want to tell you that's not true. And somebody says, well, nobody could do that except Jesus. And nobody could do that except maybe Paul and some of the prophets in the Old Testament. But I'm going to tell you, it's the same God today as he was then. Amen? God the Father. God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. Who lives in us. Wow. The Bible says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He wasn't a superhero. He wasn't a super Christian. He didn't even have super faith. Because if you read his story. He went out and pouted. Wished he was dead because things didn't fall into place exactly like he hoped they would. But here on this particular occasion, wow, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. And we've all read that story. There's a whole lot to be said for faith and obedience to the Word of God. Amen? We're going to prepare our hearts now to do what the Scripture says. Because some of us need comfort today. Amen? Jeff, if you would lift your hand just so people will know who I'm talking about here. Jeff is here today and many of his family is here. And Jeff has um, had cancer in the past and looked like maybe you were over the hump. Um, And now he's told that he has bone cancer in his back. And um, I would find that troubling. If I had heard that news, wouldn't you? So he and his family today, not a great thing for this many family members to come and be a part of this service where he's going to be anointed and prayed for. Tony, if you would come, we're about to sing wonderful peace, but I think we may end up singing a little bit of rise and be healed too, if that's possible. Anybody else who is here today that desires to be prayed for, what we're going to ask you to do is just, if you desire to be prayed for, is come and stand on this blue carpet, and that way we'll know who wants prayer for themselves. 
And then once we've identified who those individuals are, we'll ask others to come and stand with them and pray. Because this is a praying church. Amen. Amen. Uh, We believe in prayer here. We believe in the Word of God here. And so we're going to put this in God's hands and ask Him to minister and move. The old hymn says, Wonderful Peace. sing this and think about the words and how we need peace and comfort from God and what God just might want to do for you in this service today. Far away in the depths of my spirit tonight rose a Yeah.
moment we're going to sing an old song. This is this is off the cuff here. Rise and be healed in the name of Jesus. And as we sing that, and you'd like to be anointed, I'd like for you to come, as I said a moment ago, and stand on this blue carpet up front. And after you've come, and we know who's here, we'll invite others to come and stand around for prayer. Probably need to raise that just a bit. Rise and be healed in the name of Jesus. Let faith arise in your soul. Rise and be healed in the name. get ourselves in place so we can do what the Bible says, anoint with oil, pray a prayer of faith, and lay hands on these who have come today. Let's sing that one more time. Rise and be today. I pray, Lord, that you would wrap your arms of love around him, help him to feel your presence and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this prayer has been heard today. You're a God who is able. And Lord, we look to you. Oh God, minister to this name. Oh God, we come against this cancer that's in his life. We plead the blood of Jesus over him. We ask that you would minister to him. Oh, God, that you would remove this cancer. We ask this for your glory and your honor. 
We pray that you would minister to this need. Blessed be your name. You're an awesome God and we love you today. We're asking, we're believing, we're being obedient to your word. Anointing with oil. Praying a prayer of faith. All these people here, Lord, are believing you today. And pleading with you today. And asking, Lord, that your kingdom would come. And your will would be done in Jeff's life. Oh, Lord, we surrender this to you. You're a loving Heavenly Father who cares for us more than we can even know. So minister to this need, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Oh, Lord, minister to Elisa today. You're an awesome God. Minister to this need. Oh, Lord, we lay hands on Elisa today and ask you to minister a special healing touch today. Oh, Lord, we are believing in you today. We're trusting in you. Oh, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we plead the blood of Christ over Alicia's life. Bring healing and help and deliverance and comfort, we pray. In the precious name of Jesus, I count it as done today. In Jesus' name, minister, Lord, to Amanda, Miranda today. Oh, God, work and move in her life even now. Oh, Lord, you're a God who is able. I bless your name. I praise you. Minister to this need. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Have your way. Have your way. Blessed be your name. Oh, God, answer this prayer. Bring comfort to Miranda's life, I pray. Touch her and bless her. Oh, you're a God that's able. Nothing's too hard for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Right where we're standing here, let's sing that again. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Minister to Sylvia today. Thank you, Lord. Let's believe the Lord together. Rise and be
We have believed. We've anointed with oil. We've prayed the prayer of faith. We've laid hands on these individuals today. They have come because they have belief and expectancy and faith. Lord, that you're going to move in their behalf. So now that that has been done and we have been obedient, we yield these into your hands. Oh, Lord, I pray today. Now, you've taught us to pray this way. Lord, I just want to do it the way you teach us to do it. You've taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So I'm asking you, Lord, to minister to these needs in accordance with your perfect will. Understanding that you are our heavenly father. You love us with a love that we cannot even imagine. Lord, you want what's best from us. You see the the end from the beginning. You know all things. And so, Lord, I, I don't have any hesitancy. I don't have any problem today coming to you and saying, Lord, I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to be done because you know what's best. You don't mess things up. You love us. You want what's best for us. So we thank you today. We've prayed. We've believed. We've asked. We receive today. Lord, whatever you have for us in the precious name of Jesus, be glorified, we pray. What an awesome God you are. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for being here today. What a great way to end the service around the altar. Amen. Amen. Share some love.